chapter 21, and um, beginning with verse 4. We can edit this from the video. Um, Wade, would you mind? I'm sorry. This is last week's water. It, it, I, I just appreciate it. I just... That's like going over, you know, you're dating somebody and they cook for you for the first time. And how is it? Mm. Yes. Oh. Mm. And see, for those of us that are OCD or are similar, our cousin to that, you understand that now there's a voice that while I'm trying to talk to you, it's saying, that, that tastes horrible. Do you taste that? Can you smell that? Do you taste? And I'm like talking to it while I'm about to talk to you. So pray for the preacher part of me. Stand with me. Turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Help is on the way. Water's coming. All right. Might need a diet do or something with some kick in it. So burn up some of that. Just fresh water, anything. All right, Numbers 21, beginning with verse 4. Um, I'm going into a sensitive subject. I wasn't making light. The water just got me. I'm sorry. But um, beginning with verse 4, and when you see the word they, just think the people of God, the Israelites. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way, the length of the way the comrades of the way, the barrenness of the way, the uncomfortableness of the way, the Christian journey, the life with God. They were discouraged because of the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses. They took an assault at God's character. They said, you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. When you start finding fault with God and you articulate it, your foolish is made, foolishness is made known to everybody. They said there's no bread, and our soul loatheth this bread. You'll find many contradictions in your life when you start to develop a, a bitterness or a resentment or a distance from God himself. So in response to this sin, just mark this down in verse 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people... And they bit the people, and many of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us, or you can say the judgment. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that... Everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. So Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. In John chapter 3 it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Give me just a moment before you're seated, and then you can remain seated the rest of the time. This passage is not only about sin 
for the unbeliever, but sins. I won't talk about it no more. Preachers sure don't talk about it no more. Televangelists certainly don't talk about it anymore. But the Bible says that for this reason, the wrath of God falls upon the children of disobedience. The wages of sin is death. It was death, it is death, and it shall be death. God still judges people. He judges church people. These were the people that were saved out of Egypt. And they died in the wilderness. Rebellion, the Bible says, is as witchcraft. A rebellious heart that says, I don't care what God says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, God is not quick to wrath, but he is wrathful. Ananias and Sapphira fell dead in church, misrepresenting their place, their position, and they just drug them out the aisle. And the Bible says in, when we take communion that some of us have not discerned the Lord's body. We've not took serious our walk with God. And he said, and for this reason, many of you are sick and some have died. So this morning, I want us to do a self-examination and see if the judgment of God is operative in our life. Because the snake bite is to bring you back, not to kill you. It's good for me that I was afflicted, the Bible said. It's good for me. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray over the next few moments that you would give me uh, the ability by your anointing to speak, speak with clarity and with an unction from heaven that we might sober ourselves in this generation that has moved reverence out of the picture. No fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of you now, not a cowering feel, fear like a domestic abuse, but knowing that you see all and you know all. And I've learned this about you, Lord, that your love will never let me go. Your power will never let me down. And your judgment will never let me by. Show us today in your word how to reverse a death sentence or the judgment of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Wade. Much better. Jake Cox gets it for me every week, so Lord, thank you for Jake today. Yeah. I won't keep you long. I, w I want the primary part of my message to be your honesty and reception and then reaction, rebellion. Rebellion. Not against tyranny, but against a good God. How is it we can see it in children so clearly and can't see it in ourselves as adults? The baby said, Why? She's talking about why? Because I what? Oh, okay. Yeah, mortal man, because I said so. But God can't have a, because I said so. See, that's why there's an assault on the word of God. Because there, if there is no said so, if there is no true north, no one's compasses work. How would I know what sin is? How would I know if I'm missing the mark without the word of God? 
A rebellious heart that's set to mischief, that refuses to be corralled or corrected. See, the prodigal, that's what was in his heart. He was tired of the all-watching eyes of the father. He wanted to separate his stuff from God's stuff. He didn't mind God giving to him all that he had. He just did not want to give to God, to his father, all that he had. Rebellion. Their sin and all sin was against God. It says in verse 5, keep your Bible open. I want to talk to you about rebellion. They spoke against God. The issue here is not what type of sin they had. Of course, it was verbal. It was complaint. It was accusation against God's character. It's that it was sin. All sin is against God. This is what you need to understand. When a man abuses his kids, that is a sin against God. It is a tragedy to the family, but it's a sin against God. When we steal, it hurts the person we steal from, but it's a sin against God. All sin is against the holiness and righteousness of God. When we grumble against God's provision, when we rebel against his word, when we resist the Holy Spirit and refuse to submit to his workings, when we love the world and show more sympathy or allegiance to worldlings than we do the people of God, when we love money, when we have more interest in the things in this life than the one to come, when we prefer the pleasure of our flesh more than the profit of our spirit, when we live for pleasure and for its pur- instead of God's purposes. That thing that you keep from God, that sin that you commit, that, that thing that you withhold, that refusal to obey and follow, that thing you keep from God will keep you from God. Don't believe this hyper grace, smear God's love like mayonnaise, love wins. No, truth wins. Truth wins. Don't expect, and you might want to write this down. This is refrigerator material. This is bathroom vanity material here on the window. Don't expect the grace of God to cover something you won't uncover. I've got to see it as such. Lord, uh, let the, the, the meditation of my, my mind and my heart, the words of my mouth, let it be pleasing to you, Lord. Let there be no root of rebellion in me. We all fail and we all sin, but not everyone is rebellious. God doesn't smite sin the moment we fail. But he hates rebellion. It's like witchcraft, Satanism. Not only is their sin and our sin against God, it's universal in its source and it's common in its expression. We sin against God naturally because sin was passed on from us, from Adam down. We are born into sin. You don't believe it? Put two three-year-olds in a sandbox and watch the dominant one hit the other one over the head with a Tonka truck. Where'd he learn that? Self, sin. We sin against God willingly. We sin against God unwillingly. We sin against God knowingly and unknowingly. We sin in arrogance and in ignorance, publicly and privately. We sin against God knowing the judgment to come. This is why there's such a push in this last day of relativism to take out the judgment of God because God does, he can just forgive. But listen to what scripture says. 
Romans 1.32. We who knowing the judgment of God, that they that commit such things are worthy of death, not only do we do them, but we have pleasure in others as they do them. For this reason does the wrath of God fall upon the children of disobedience. And it also said they spoke against Moses. Now, when you read the Old Testament stories, you understand that all of those were shadows and types of things to come and lessons. They were written aforetime for our learning that we might, understanding the scriptures, see God clearly and see ourselves. They spoke against Moses. Well, Moses is just a man. Yes, but he was God's appointed person. He's a type of Christ, the deliverer, the rescuer, the savior. And today, the sin is not only against God, and it's not only universal, but it's rejecting. When we sin, we reject the one that God sent to be Lord by not esteeming him appropriately. By not seeing, the, see, the same what they did with Moses is what we do with Jesus. We do not esteem him appropriately. We see no difference between him and us. Miriam and Aaron said, we're just like Moses. We're just like, no, you weren't. And G we're not just little God, small G. We're not just like Jesus. No, he is altogether separate and altogether holy. We as Christians should live with a healthy conviction of sins so that we'll humble ourselves and live in perfect unity with God. If we fear the Lord and respond to conviction, the vast majority of our life is peace and wholeness and rest. We do not respect Jesus' position or authority and they despise the provision of God. Listen to what it says. And our soul loatheth this light bread. Verse 5. The heart that is in enmity with God will disdain his provisions. Christ is the eternal bread sent from heaven. And the world simply views him as light bread. Fitting for children. The naive and those who are sick and weak. But not for those of us who have the knowledge of good and evil. And are confident in the flesh. So in summary, just think of this. Here's what rebellion looks like. Sin against God. The source of our sin is our own heart, and its expression is common. It's in the rejection of the one that God has put in authority over us. Jesus Christ is not going to be Lord. He is Lord. It's like asking the Lord to be Lord of your life. You ever heard that? You don't ask him to be something he is. He is. You might be a dishonorable son and servant, but he is Lord. And our knees should bow to that lordship and that reverence. And his provision for us spiritually and his provision for us naturally. Maybe this is some of you today. The truth is you didn't get a fair shake based on your assessment comparing yourself with other people and other situations and your own expectation. And your soul loatheth the light bread that God provided when back in Egypt you had leeks and onions and things with a kick to them. You loathe, 
your marriage partner of 20 years today because the newness and the shiny has wore off on the chrome as if God has done something wrong to you. My wife's changed after 20 years. You think? How about you, catfish? Have you changed? Our soul loatheth the provision of where we live and what we drive and what we wear. But the humble in heart, now, that doesn't mean you can't aspire. It doesn't mean you can't work hard and plan. But the humble in heart has this cognitive, superseding awareness that I deserve hell, so I surely can't deserve better. So whatever I have, thank you, Lord. Today, I have a new truck. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple months ago, I was driving Mater. That 88, it <laughs> sounded like a helicopter coming down the street. Ah, thank you, Lord. Some days my back's working. Thank you, Lord. And other days, uh, it's funny when I hear Kelly, she'll complain a little bit. You know, she's, Kelly's still young and very strong and everything. She'll, ow. I said, it only gets worse. <laughs> But do you know that a healthy soul can hurt and have lack and be disappointed and still be healthy? Because they do not allow a critical spirit or a distant spirit from God in their heart. God, overall, you're good to me. And I'm grateful. Well, they sinned. And I want to talk to you about our repentance I talked to you about rebellion. I want to talk to you about repentance. Their repentance was birthed in temporal judgment. It's called jailhouse religion. All them people in jail, look at them. Now they want Jesus. That's jailhouse religion. Is there any other kind? Did you just decide in your goodness, I'm just going to serve the Lord with gladness. I'm going to forsake my sins. No. He said, there's none that seeketh after God. So I want you to see this type. Many of you, he sent serpents to bite areas of your life that sobered you, that quickened you to the path that you were on was wrong. The, the, it, was a, it was an awareness that brought you to a place of potential repentance. So he sent serpents among the people and it bit them. I remember being at Mercer. I took my dog outside, Jebo. He was one of a kind. Jebo was a great dog. Took Jabbo outside, we went and used the restroom, come back in, and there were three men in my apartment. One had a television, one had a stereo, and the other had a gun. I'm not being funny. Guys, can I just, the girls aren't here, can I just talk to y'all just a second? You know, you think you're going, you know, man, you know, come out in my house, somebody come in my house, I got something for you. Well, I didn't have a gun, but I was college cocky, man. I, you know, I, I, you'd rather sandpaper a wildcat's butt in a phone booth than <laughs> mess me. It's, I got you. I, Somebody leave and skin up. You come in my house. Well, he brought that gun over and he, boom! And it's like everything went in slow motion. Sheet rock blew out everywhere. I said, what'd you do, John? I ran. <laughs> I didn't rear back. If, if the, uh, the policeman said, how many shots did they get off at you? I said, one. What do you mean, how many? <laughs> If they ran after me, they'd have died of smoke inhalation off my shoes, you know. <laughs> but that 
was a serpent that bit me and said, your life is a vapor, boy. Are you ready to stand in front of an angry God? It awoke me. This isn't in my notes. I just feel prompted to share. I'm sitting in class. Sophomore year, maybe. At college. And a man, Dr. Bluestone. Nowadays, they'd sue you if you did this. But uh, he looked like Emmett Brown from Back to the Future. That's what he looked like. And uh, so I'm sitting there. I'm just hung over. Got my shades on. SAE shirt on. And he's just teaching at the blackboard. Just, he goes, John Wood, you are everything I hate in a person. I'm like, you know, King James, what meaneth this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to play it off. And my friends are like, oh. uh, what, what do you mean? He goes, all that potential in you and you're throwing your life away. And he went right back to the chalkboard. That serpent bit me and said, you're wasting your life. And some of you, God has sent serpents to your life to sober you. And some of us did not respond and apply the anti-ventum of repentance. And now that sin is finding you out. And I'm talking to believers this morning. The Bible says in Numbers 21, I believe it is, be, uh, Numbers 20, 32, be sure your sin will find you out. It'll find you out in your mind, in your body, in your emotions, in the way you speak to those that you love. It'll find you out in your speech. It'll find you out at night, in your sleep, as you're robbed of your peace. That venom of God convicting or giving a temporal judgment there's no rest, saith the Lord, to the wicked. It's like you're trying to fall asleep and someone's always waking you up. You can hide a lot of things. But when a believer is snake bit by the judgment of God provoking them to repentance, it will show up. It could have been you or maybe it's a friend of yours and you watched as their countenance went from bright to dark. You watched when they went from jovial to not so pleasant. You watched their speech change to coarseness. You watched their taste change. In the same way venom goes through a physical body, this judgment goes through. And it's for the purpose of letting you know that God's dealing with you. How do you know when you're in rebellion? How do you know when those, first of all, you know when you do it as believers, but you start living your Christianity out of your memory instead of out of your natural reaction today. And where the snake bite is, and I was going to put this on the screen, but we have some people that they just whew, they fall out. But it shows the progression, just a little bite I saw one of a leg and an arm, just a little bite. And the second one was as it swole, swole up. And then the third one was as it got black. And the fourth one was half the leg was gone. You know what we do in church? We wear long sleeve shirts and praise and sing and, hopes, and hope no one sees the poison. Because what's important is what other people think. 
and your joy is dried up like a potsherd. Your influence is gone. Your testimony is quickly fading. Your love for the Lord is lukewarm at best. But no one can see the poison, so we're happy. God sent the serpents, and the serpents bit them. And listen to what they did. They repented. Verse 7. We have sinned. We've sinned against you, Lord. We've sinned. Their repentance was personal. I sinned. David, used, David said, against you and you only have I sinned, O God. This is the man that had an adulterous relationship and killed the husband. He said, no, it was against you. He was the casualty. But I sinned. I'm a rebellious heart. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I sinned against you. Their repentance and our repentance should be personal, specific, remorseful, and without pretense or excuse. No disclaimers. I was wrong. I was rebellious. I am immature. I have no excuse and I humble myself. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we don't confess our sins, there's only the wrath of God that remains. Oh, I'm under grace for unconfessed sin. Are you saying I'm not saved? See, you're talking about just the eternal part. I'm talking about the temporal part for which you'll be rewarded or judged. Why is it more important now, just the finish line, instead of is my life bringing glory to Jesus Christ? If you look at their lives, Saul was a more moral man than David. You know what separated David from Saul? David knew how to repent good. Good. He would abase himself before the Lord. God killed his son. Killed him. The word tells us because of your sin, he killed his son. He washed his face and got up and said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because see, even when God forgives, like if you get an antivenom for snake bite, the pain is still there. There's swelling there and the tissue doesn't grow back. And this is a warning to some of you. This is a warning. Repent before that venom spreads to your spouse, to your babies. You trying to scare me? No, I'm just trying to sober you. If you think the devil can do a number on you with limited power, what can an all-knowing God do in judgment? It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Their repentance, this is critical here, okay? Looked away from themselves to another. They said to Moses, now uh, picture this like us 
looking to Jesus the way they looked at Moses. Pray unto the Lord, Moses, that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. So they went to Moses. We've sinned. Be the mediator for us between God and us. And we go to Christ. It's against you if I sinned, O Lord. And Christ is the mediator between God and man. We confess our sins. We go to him as Lord. And we humble ourselves. And the one they spoke against, Moses, prayed for him. And what did Jesus do from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the most humbling part of our Christian walk. It's not the provisions. It's the one I turned my back on turns towards me. The one I lied about was truthful to me. The one I disdained was tender with me. And when I turn and say, would you, would you be my mediator? Would you go between God and I? And he prayed for the people. I'm grateful that I have, when I sin, the Bible says, and when you sin, you have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Can someone say amen? amen. In the same way we know that Christ was our mediator and that he's our intercessor, and he pleads our case. In the same way the Israelites did this, we declare openly that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves initially, and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from the wrath of God except through one that he has chosen, and that is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And finally, our remedy and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. This remedy, you know, and later on people began to think that this brazen pole with the snake on it was uh, like powerful in and of itself. God called it Nehushtan. It's just a thing of brass. What made the thing of brass work, it's that God was the one that provided the remedy, the decree. So imagine, no matter who the people were, no matter how they had lived, no matter what their sin was, or how long they'd been that way, Whoever looked, lived. Brooke, if you would come, and our musicians, if you'd come up, please. This remedy that God gave, stay with me, guys. This remedy of the brazen serpent on the pole, it worked because it was divine in its origin. It was a shadow of the Christ to come. So here's a man, or let's say there's a little child. Let's start with a child. Parents, will you enter into this moment with me and not just, you know, not, I want you to think about it. James, your baby's drawing its last breath. It's drawing its last breath. The venom's worked its way through. There's shortness of breath. The paralysis has started with the head and they can't draw breath. And you're helping that baby and you're turning its head and that sun hits that brazen serpent and the anti-venom is applied. And they live. This, this remedy is divine in its origin. 
and Christ. So it is to, to, for us today. It's not in us. It's in looking upon the exclusive divine remedy. It's not treat the wound. Churches that treat the wound have walking dead people in them. No self-help. It's no help unless we look upon Christ. Our remedy is both universal, whosoever will, but it's singular. Christ alone. It's readily available. It's uniquely personal. It's sufficiently powerful. It is complete and perfect, satisfying God's wrath and healing us of his judgment. It's repetitive in its application. Don't you know there were people that were, they went and walked out and looked at the brazen serpent and they were healed and on their way back to the house, they were bit again. Like, dang, just go back to the hill, look again. Anybody else been snake bit more than once like me? And just go back and go back. Always available. My Christ is always available. His mercy is always available. He never once throws his hands up and says, Bid again. It's whosoever. Our remedy. Just like today. Unbelievably, the remedy is still rejected by some. Churches filled with people. I'm not, I'm not beating up on you. I know who's here. I'm glad you're here. But there are people today, if I could roll up the sleeves of your spiritual life, you would find multiple snake bites. And you blaming it on the devil. And God says, I'm trying to get you to bow your knee. I'm trying to get you to turn your head back. I'm trying to get you to go back the way you came. I'm trying to get you out of that immorality, out of that perversion, out of the love of this world. I'm trying to get you to, and, and, and you, the only way to do it is to look upon him, fasten your eyes upon him. Well, how can you say that most people reject? Because broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many go in thereat. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Some did not know. Some did not believe. Some believed but refused. There are people that their grandkids were in there. Papa, just look. I will not. I'd rather die than take Moses' uh, provision. I'll, I'll weather it out and take my chances. And they die in their sins. Now, Christian, the wages of sin is death. You are not the exception. You are not the exception. You are not the exception. That poison will continue. It will spread. And it will eat away at your life till there's amputations of people, plans, opportunity, and God's desires for your life. For him to say, and that's why many of you uh, there in your church are uh, sick and others have died. Why would you die when such a price has been paid? Why would you die when it's been made so easily available? Why would you die when it's so easy to live? And why would you die in your sins when Christ has already died for your sins? 
I'm not going to build this up or out. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things about church. As a pastor now, I'm always up here. I love going to the altar. It assaults my pride. It tells, it gives me opportunity to publicly demonstrate I do not live for your approval. I live for his. And when I'm convicted, I won't listen. You think this is just for sermon or for your response? I am the chiefest of sinners. I am capable of anything and everything. And the only thing I got going for me is I know how to repent and repent. And I want to give you opportunity to do that today. Publicly. I'm not going to ask you. You don't need my help. You don't need to tell your sins to no priest. Tell it to the priest. But repent. And come and kneel before the Lord. And tell him what it is. Take him back. You, you bit me here. You judged me here because of blank. And I repent of it. I wash my hands up. I turn away from it. I asked Brooke to, and the musicians, singers here to sing an old song that we used to sing at church. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for you. Whosoever looketh lives. Whosoever looketh lives. As they sing this, if the Lord's talking to you about something, I want you to come and find a place here at the altar. There's room at the cross for you.
family would you stand with us this morning those in the altar you can stand or keep kneeling if you want if you will give me just two minutes and then I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Jason if he'll come and dismiss us in prayer there's a deceptive wave coming over the church that this is uncommon it's not uh, uh, palatable we should repent as often as we pray or praise you just we just should we just should guys it would do us good Andy on site we're just on our way to the next thing and Lord for what I said just a moment ago I'm just I just humbling myself I'll, I'll talk to you about it all later but I didn't want to take another step without saying Please forgive me. I repent of that. Repentance. Repentance. If you were to look at my life and they were visible, I would have snake pop marks all over my body. And I go back and look. But I still got my limbs. I'm still good. I'm still good. Because he's merciful. You don't want nobody to die. Don't let anything get in our heart. No root of bitterness. No distance. No, Nick, we got to purge it out. We, nothing. Just nothing. Just make sure. And see other people. Oh, oh, that's ridiculous. You ain't been bit many times I have. And I know the end of it's death. If the wages of sin is death, it's death. But the gift of God is life. Not just eternal life, but life today. Life in my mind, my heart, my emotions. When you go home today, thank, thank him for conviction. Don't ever, don't ever pray the prayer. God, just leave me alone about that. Don't ever, ever pray that. That when he makes you miserable, that's him loving you. I'm not going to let you get comfortable in this. I'm not going to let you feel good in this. Mm -mm. I'm going to keep you up all night. I'm going to make uh, I'm, all hell going to break loose because I'm not going to let you die in that. Isn't he gracious? Isn't he wonderful? Jason, if you can. Was anybody ministered to with this sermon this morning? Praise God that we have a pastor that will bring the truth, not what's popular, not what's comfortable, but the truth of the Word of God. We have a Redeemer that is so awesome, and I'm thankful for that. But I've come to the point in my walk with God where I look back at some of those snake bites, and I'm thankful for those. Don't disdain the snake bite. God is redirecting us to Him. He is pointing us towards the only thing that can save us, the only thing that can keep us, the only thing that can shield us from this world, and the only thing in which we can have true hope. Look towards Him, believer. Look towards Him. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for the snake bites that you've put in our life to bring us back to you, Lord. We thank you that you are the remedy, that you have made yourself available. We thank you for your son, that he is our advocate, that he mediates between us, Father, that when we look upon him, he comes to you, Lord. 
We thank you that we have access to you through your son, through his sacrifice, through the spilt blood, his precious spilt blood, Lord. Don't turn the conviction off, Father. Keep us on track with you, Father. Never let us stray too far, God. We cannot do this without you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you care enough to convict us. We thank you for the opportunity to come back and kneel at your feet over and over again of our insufficiencies, our stubbornness, and our rebellious heart, Father. We give it to you, Lord. We are so thankful for you in this body of believers, God. We love you so much. Amen.